Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today I wanted to share with you a particular property deal that I've been working on, uh, which came about uh, by chance really. And uh, the reason why it uh, came about by chance is I was talking to a friend of mine uh, and I said, this is my particular gold mine area. And if uh, there are any properties that you happen to find or find out about, do let me know. And lo and behold, he said, he's selling his own property uh, in that area and uh, would I be interested in buying it? And I thought, ah, that's good. I'm uh, pleased I mentioned it to him. Uh, So I guess the first thing uh, or the first key takeaway I'd like to share with you is talk to as many people as you can uh, in a particular area and tell them what you do. And if you're looking for some uh, advice or support from them, then let them know. Because if you don't tell people what you do and what you want and what you're looking for, uh, then they can't help you. Anyhow, what happened was he took me to his property uh, and it's a commercial conversion. uh, And I said, this is beautiful. Uh, It's kind of exactly around the sweet spot in terms of the purchase price and in terms of how much I thought at the time it would uh, cost us to refurb and renovate. So we did the deal. Now, the next challenge for me was to raise the money. Uh, And I just wasn't too keen to go to a bank because although banks, generally speaking, offer competitive rates, they just move very slowly and ask you 10,000 different questions. And then when you've answered those, uh, then the underwriter comes back with another, you know, 30, 40 questions sometimes. Uh, but 34 is a bit of an exaggeration, but four or five extra questions. And then it just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, so I spoke uh, to somebody who I knew is interested in lending money or at least has money in their bank account. And we did a deal whereby he would fund 90% of uh, the purchase and I would uh, inject 10%, and that was because he wanted to ensure that I had some hurt money, so to speak, uh, and that I was invested in the deal. Uh, and the interest rate that we agreed uh, is 10% per annum. And that worked out pretty well for me, uh, simply because uh, it was less st- stringent in terms of obtaining the loan, as it would have been uh, compared to going to a bank. Uh, and uh the money came through very quickly. The, the margins are in this particular deal. So it worked absolutely fine for me. So he's happy, I'm happy, and off we go. When I was agreeing to buy the property, my initial challenge was, do I buy the limited company? So, so this particular property is in a limited company. So do I buy the limited company, i.e. buy the shares, or do I just buy the asset? Uh, And one of the key differences as a property investor is if you buy a company and you're buying the shares, you pay half a percent stamp duty. Whereas if you're buying the asset, then you pay stamp duty 
based on the value of the property. And as you know, the stamp duty rates are different depending on how much the property is worth. The chap I was buying from uh, was keen for me to buy the shares. So I thought, yep, it's going to save me stamp duty anyway. That's fine. Uh, but another key consideration for you if you are buying the shares uh, is that you've got to do your due diligence because when you take over the company, then you're taking over all the affairs. And if any, for example, there's unpaid bills or there's any uh, previous tax issues, then you are going to be responsible for them. So you've got to make sure you do your due diligence through your accountant and your lawyer and you ask all the right questions and obtain the answers. Above and beyond that, uh, you've got to make sure you have warranties in place for anything which hasn't been disclosed to you. If that comes out subsequently, uh, then that will be the responsibility of the vendor and not your responsibility. And generally speaking, uh, from a tax point of view, because uh, as you know, I, I specialize in property tax, you want to make sure you've got watertight and good tax warranties. And the thing you need to bear in mind that in, in, in the warranty is sometimes the vendor will ask for a de minimis level. So that could be, say, if, if a, an unpaid bill uh, comes across to you, uh, then the vendor might say anything less than, say, £5,000, uh, you'll pay anything above £5,000, they'll pay. Uh, so you want to be thinking about what those potential liabilities are once you've asked all, all the questions and then see what kind of number you're comfortable with. And generally speaking, in terms of tax warranties, uh, quite a few banks would say to you, uh, you want 21-year warranties. Sometimes that's pretty difficult to uh, get uh, a vendor to agree to 21 years. So what you want to do is cover at least uh, the next seven years so that if there's a HMRC inquiry, you are covered uh, for the, the previous six or seven years. Once uh, I'd agreed to buy the shares, we'd carried out the due diligence, uh, we agreed uh, on the warranties, Another consideration for you is that if you buy the shares of a company, and especially if you're buying a property, then the purchase price, which we call the base cost in the world of accountancy and taxation, it will remain the same as when the property was introduced into the company. Let me give you an example. Let's say somebody bought a property and they paid £300,000 for it 10 years ago and they're selling it to you now for, let's say, £600,000. If you buy the asset, then your purchase price is going to be £600,000. However, if you buy the shares, then the purchase price of the asset is going to remain at £300,000. Let's forget any revaluations and keep it simple. So if tomorrow you sell that asset on its own out of the company for, say, £700,000, uh, your the profit's going to be the £700,000 that you uh, sold it for, less the £300,000, which was the original purchase price, the base cost for when the asset was introduced into the company. So do bear in mind and do check that, because although you, you're going to save on the stamp duty, or potentially save on the stamp duty because the rate's lower, the base cost uh, might make it such that the 
deal isn't as profitable or doesn't work for you. In that case, what you can do is attempt to negotiate with the vendor uh, and either get them to pay the corporation tax uh, on the difference between what they paid for the property and what they're now charging you for the property or selling it to you for. Or what you could do is uh, split the or work out the tax liability and split it half half so they pay half and you pay half. You're not actually paying anybody the the tax right now because the property hasn't sold, but you would work out the tax and you'd get them to reduce your price uh, purchase price by half of the tax liability. So let's say the tax worked out to be £20,000. Initially, you'd try and get your property discounted by £20,000. If the vendor doesn't agree, you could say, let's split it half off. So they pay half the tax and you pay half the tax. So you'd knock off or he, they would knock off £10,000 of the purchase price. So do bear that in mind. When we uh, went through all, uh, the initial paperwork, our solicitor quoted us £1,500 for the conveyancing work and I think it's £1,250 for the sh uh, share purchase agreement. Uh, so it's coming in at £2,750. Believe it or not, uh, the whole deal took about 15 months for one reason or another because both parties, lawyers, had different questions and it just went on and on and on and on and on. And in the end, uh, it cost us just under £9,000 in legal fees. Uh, so you might want to bear that in mind as well and uh, tighten up on that fixed fee if you have a fixed fee with your solicitor because you don't want a surprise like we got where the fee pretty much trebled. Once we'd bought the uh, property, we added two additional self-contained units. So initially, uh, there were 18 units. Uh, we've added two more, uh, which is good news for us. Uh, because that's obviously going to help us create extra cash flow if we uh, rent the properties out. And if we sell them, we've got uh, two additional properties to sell. The profit margin uh, is pretty good. It's just under 30%. Uh, so it's 29% profit margin, which is really good, in my opinion, uh, on uh, commercial conversions. Uh, again, different people look at different uh, uh, margins. Uh, the lowest I've seen is around about 11%. Uh, highest is about 35%. Some, in fact, I've seen a couple uh, inching towards 40%. Uh, you'll hear averages of between 15 to 20, some say 25. But I think uh, if, if you're at 20% margin, uh, that usually works pretty well. So once you've bought the, the shares, you've done the refurbishment work, uh, then you have a choice to make, which is, do you hold on to the properties or do you sell them? If you sell the properties uh, and you don't want to go into uh, doing another commercial conversion, or you know, then, then what you could do is you could look at liquidating your company and you could claim ER. ER stands for Entrepreneur's Relief. Uh, and I won't go into how, how an Entrepreneur's Relief works today, but it is something which I will cover with you at some point in the future. So let's assume I bought uh, these uh, flats for £500,000. Let's assume it cost me an, an additional £500,000 uh, for the refurb work. Uh, and let's say 
they're worth 1.5 million. So on that, the margin is 500,000 pounds profit. Uh, if I decide to sell the properties and I can claim entrepreneur's relief and I meet the rules, uh, then if I liquidate the company, uh, I can take all my profit out and only pay 10% tax. So I'd pay 50,000 pounds to HMRC and 400,000 pounds is my profit into my back pocket. However, if I wish to carry on doing more commercial conversions and I'm going to uh, stay in the, in the sector, then if I liquidate, I'm locked out for two years. So there's no point in liquidating and uh, claiming entrepreneur's relief. You might as well just carry on and do further deals by either refinancing uh, and uh, using that money to buy uh, more properties. Because once you've liquidated, uh, you've lost 10% of your funds anyhow. And the whole emphasis is to try and recycle as much cash as possible if that's your main aim and objective. So only liquidate if you're not going to go or remain in the same sector. Something else which you need to be mindful of, uh, which again I will cover on a different uh, podcast session, uh, but if you're looking for investors, then you want to check out investors' relief. I think this is a very good relief offered by the Chancellor. Uh, in terms of how it works, uh, I'll just cover it very quickly for you. It's similar to entrepreneurs' relief, as in uh, that the if the investor meets the criteria and the rules, they only pay 10% tax uh, on the money that they draw down in terms of their profits. And the lifetime limit both for entrepreneurs' relief and investors' relief is £10 million each. So I will cover both entrepreneurs' relief and investors' relief on a subsequent podcast for you. So just to kind of recap, when you're looking to buy a property, if it's in a company, you want to think about whether you want to buy the shares and save on the stamp duty, but then obviously carry out the full due diligence and have the warranties in place. Uh, or you could buy the asset. Uh, and a further consideration is the base cost. If you buy, the com buy a company, then the base cost is going to be the cost of how much it will cost to buy in the first place. Uh, whereas if you buy the asset, then the cost is how much you paid for it. In terms of your uh, legal fees, be very clear with your solicitor. If you're buying the shares, then you need uh, a share purchase agreement and uh, a conveyancer. So make sure you know exactly how much you're going to pay. Think about uh, the business structure. Uh, if you're into commercial conversions a lot, then you want to be thinking about maybe having a holding company and uh, SPVs under the holding company. Uh, SPV stands for Special Purpose Vehicle. But again, that's uh, for another podcast because that is quite a popular uh, issue and a question that, that that is asked to me in terms of what's the best business structure for commercial conversions. And then once you've uh, completed on the building work, you want to be thinking about if I sell, how do how, how do I best structure that, and uh, do I claim entrepreneur's relief and then get locked out for two years, or do I hold on uh, and remortgage and then uh, go into further uh, commercial conversions? So those are those are some of the key considerations uh, that you want to be thinking about uh, when doing commercial conversions. I mean, there's many other considerations uh, and another key question that's asked uh, of me uh, or asked to me is 
should we have a uh, sole trader partnership LLP or a limited company and usually the common one is should I use an LLP a limited liability partnership or a limited company so on a future podcast I will cover that too in terms of the key differences between a limited liability partnership and a limited company I hope you find that useful see you soon bye for now Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.